I join with Nathan in welcoming you here to the service this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. Uh, if you consider yourself a visitor, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you're an honored guest, and we would not only invite you, but we would encourage you to be back with us to worship at any time that you're able to come and be with us. Uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look again at a passage uh, from John, just as we did uh, last month. Uh, this month, we're going to do it again, and um, I told my girls that uh, now that Corinna is about to graduate, um, I'm hoping to get as many words in that maybe she will uh, remember and look to. Um, so if you wonder what my focus is in doing uh, these lessons from the book of John, uh, that is it. I hope this morning that if you have a Bible, you will take it and follow along. Uh, but more importantly, I hope that the words I say this morning will encourage you uh, to open the word when you're not in this place, to study the book of John and to uh, look at its words. You know, in these eight verses that Brother Tim read this morning, Packed into these eight verses are a wonderful story of love. And I want to look at that this morning, assuming that the clicker will allow me to look at that this morning. Oh, it said no. John, the 21st chapter, beginning in verse 15, says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Before we move on this morning, you need to understand what is happening in this conversation between Jesus and Peter. You see, this wasn't some session between Jesus and all of his disciples or all who had been following. Wouldn't it be neat this morning if Jesus were up here and he said, Hey, y'all, do y'all love me? Or we could all shout it out. But no, this was a very intimate discussion between Jesus and Peter. So let's follow along in this discussion here. Jesus comes specifically to Simon Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I love you. Jesus replies, then feed my sheep. If that wasn't enough, Jesus looks at Peter again and says, Peter, do you love me? Imagine what's going through Peter's mind now. I just answered that question, but okay, I'll follow along. Yes, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus replies, feed my sheep. And then for the third time, the Bible says, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? This time, the Bible tells us what's going through Peter's mind. It says he's grieved. In fact, Peter's response this time is, Lord, you know everything. In fact, you know all things. You didn't even have to ask me the question because you could read it in my heart. And Peter says, of course, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus then replies to Peter, Verily, verily, I say unto you, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest where thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. 
This spoke he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. So here is Peter standing with Jesus or sitting with Jesus. And he's there and he's asked three times, do you love me? And he's told to feed my sheep. He's he's getting upset to the point that it says he's grieved over these questions because he knows that Jesus knows the answer. And then Jesus says, guess what? You know, when you were young, you got to choose what you wanted to wear. When you were young, you got to walk wherever you wanted to walk. But there will come a day when you're old that someone else will choose what you wear. And someone else will hang you on a cross. And that's the way that you will die. But knowing that, follow me. And at that moment, the Bible says that Peter, turning about, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. If you were to put yourself in Peter's spot, Peter is here talking to the Savior, and he's being asked, Do you love me? And he's told to follow the Savior. And then he looks around, and he sees the one whom Jesus loved, following. And he says, now wait, Lord, you see, you asked me that question three times and I didn't want to answer because I believe you already knew and you've told me some deep things about how I'm going to die and how I'm going to be carried away at death and you've told me to follow you. But what about that disciple? See, that's the one I want to know about. What's he going to do? Why don't you ask him the question? And Jesus said, if I will, that he tarries till I come. What is that to you? Follow thou me. You see, in these eight verses, there is so much that we can learn. We could talk this morning about the love of uh, Peter, the love of a disciple toward the Savior. We could talk about the relationship between the disciples. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning, but we're not focused on that. In fact, we could talk about minding our own business. Worry about yourself. Build your relationship with the Savior. But I want to narrow our focus down this morning to that statement. Then Peter, turning about, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, if you go back and you read the book of John, you'll see this statement. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And the funny thing about the way that this gospel is written, we don't learn until the end of the book who the author is referring to. You see, in verse 24, the next to last verse, it says, This is the disciple which testify of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. The one that Jesus loves. Let's think about that for a minute. You see, John could have identified himself throughout this gospel as a number of things. In fact, he could have called himself the son of Zebedee or the brother of James throughout. In fact... He could have very well said, one of the original twelve. He could have called himself one of the chosen. In fact, if you uh, go back and read the gospel and you want to learn about Peter, the book talks about Peter at the time that the Roman soldiers took Jesus away, that there was one of the disciples who was known by the high priest that went into the gate. And it was that disciple who came out and got Peter and took him into the gate. You know, we often talk about Peter warming himself at the fire. 
at the time that he denied Christ, and we don't recognize that it's likely John was there warming himself also. There are so many things that John could have looked at in himself to tell us his identity, and yet he chose this one. Let's think about the relationship for just a second between the apostles. You know, oftentimes we look at the apostles as if they're some type of superhuman. I mean, they were not only chosen, but they were chosen at a time that they got to see the Savior in the flesh. If we want to look at their uh, relationship, we can look at Matthew, the 20th chapter, when it says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. So a mother does what a mother does. She wants the best for her sons. And wanting the best for her sons, she goes to Jesus and she says, I've just got one thing. Grant me this one thing. I just want one wish. And that's all I'm asking is one wish. That when it comes to your kingdom, I want my two sons to sit on either side. The Bible says in verse 24, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. You know what those 12 men were? They were human. They were human and they wanted the best seat. And their mama wanted it for them. And it says the other ten looked at that moment with indignation. Because you know where the other ten wanted to be? They wanted to be one on the left hand and one on the right hand. They were human. But I want you to look at John the 13th chapter starting in verse 22 where it says, Then the disciples looked one on another doubting of whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? So let's talk about the relationship here between the apostles. We're told that in this moment in time that James and John's mother goes to Jesus and says, I want one wish granted me, just one wish. Let my son sit on either side of you. And the other ten apostles were upset that they were trying to get this special seat. But you know what it tells us here? Jesus had one that was so close to him that even Peter went and said, hey, he's just told us that one of us is going to betray him. I just want to know who you ask. Can you imagine being again in Peter's shoes in this scene? This is the Peter who I can imagine sat around with the apostles and said, hey, I want you to know I love Jesus the most. And I've already told him. In fact, I told him that I would follow him to the death. I love him the most. And yet even that Peter goes to the one Jesus loves and says, Hey, none of us can figure out who's going to betray him. You go ask. Now put yourself in John's shoes. The other apostles are wondering which one of us is going to betray him. And they go to John and they say, Hey, you ask him. And you know what it says? It says he leans in close, and he says, Lord, which one of us? You know what a personal bubble is? <laughs> you know, there's some of us that have a little wider bubble. We don't necessarily want you to come in real close. And there's others who like to be real close when they talk. But, you know, you've got to be in a real special position to be the one that gets to lean in and ask a question like that. In fact, the Bible says 
he was leaning on his breast. Not a whole lot of people get to do that. And yet John was so close that he was able to lean on his bosom and ask a question at a pivotal moment in time. You know, if we were looking at it from a prideful, arrogant, competitive, comparative standpoint, we would look at this and say, you want to know why, why John called himself the one Jesus loved? Maybe it's because he actually recognized. You know, the Gospel of John was recorded after the other three. History tells us that Peter did, in fact, die first, and maybe John just wanted the last word. He just wanted to say, guess what? I'm the one Jesus loved. But you know, if we strip these words down, and we take out the pride, and we take out the arrogance, and we take out the comparisons, John called himself the one that Jesus loves. You know, the Bible records that Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest command? And Jesus responded with, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second one is likened unto the first, love thy neighbor as thyself. You ever thought about where that begins? You see, Jesus said that those two commands held the foundation for all other commands. But where for you and I does that begin? The one that Jesus loves. You see, because if you don't believe that Jesus loves you, then how can you love the Lord your God with all that you are? How can you love your neighbor as yourself? But let me ask you this morning, do you truly believe that Jesus loves you? If you have time to go back and look, I want you to look up something. If you're interested, if you're not, then don't. Just read the scriptures. There's a psychological theory that started in the 1900s called the looking glass self. The looking glass self theory goes something like this. That a person will be who they see those closest to them believe they are. So let me make that a little easier. The looking glass self says this. That we value the opinion of those who are closest to us to the point that whatever we believe their opinion of us is, we will act and speak in a way to validate that opinion. This could be good or bad. Let me give you an example. If you value the opinion of your boss, and your boss says you're a hard worker, and you're going to be a leader someday, then oftentimes, as humans, we will live up to that standard, and we will work hard, and we will strive to do better, so that we can, in fact, live up to the opinion of our boss. The negative side is this. If we believe that our parents view us as dumb or inadequate, then we will often live up to or live down to that standard to validate that opinion. So I'll ask you again. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? More importantly, do you know this morning that Jesus loves you? You see, close relationships are important. It's important to be close to one another, but it's more important to understand that Jesus loves you. Paul wrote this in Romans, the 8th chapter. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Paul writes, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I promise it's true that Jesus loves you. And here's what Paul said. Paul said, Jesus loves you so much that he was persuaded of this, that there was nothing that you or any other creature, nothing that you and any other power could do to overcome his love. If you're not a child of God this morning, you need to know that Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much that he came and gave his life for you. Of his own free will, he chose to love you. While we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have an opportunity to be obedient to his will this morning, recognizing that love and the grace and mercy that comes from his shed blood, being buried with him in baptism, arising to walk a new creature this morning. If you are a child of God and there's something that we can assist you in, something that you need, something that we uh, can pray with you or for you, We'd ask you to please come forward and have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.